0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad
1: It four degrees in Edmonton four degrees in Edmonton so maybe it's fitting we're talking about a lot of hockey that is weather for November 22nd not May 22nd and a lot of speculation a lot of anticipation about what is to come for the National Hockey League the executive board for the Players Association those are the player reps from the 31 teams voting on the return to play proposal by the, the put out there by the National Hockey League that we've been talking a lot about over the last couple of days. Now, I don't know if we're going to get results tonight. We may not hear something... Uh, for a day or two or maybe until after the long weekend and remember in the United States we are going into a long weekend but we're getting closer towards uh, some sort of a return to play plan look I I anticipate we're probably going to have a situation here where players can start using team facilities in very small groups we're talking three or four players at a time you know if it's the Oilers they could go to to Rogers place to train or maybe even skate a little bit and then it, it seems like we, you know, if, if things continue to go well in terms of dealing with the pandemic in certain cities, and it has gone pretty well in Edmonton for the most part, that, uh, you know, maybe in July we start having training camps. I, I don't think that when there is a return to play plan. They're going to name the hub cities. I think they want to wait to see where things are the best and the worst before they totally commit that. But it sounds very much like it is going to be this 2014 proposal. We talked a lot about that on the show yesterday and, uh, you know, listen to the Stoffer show and Bob's going to join us in about uh 10 minutes or so here on Inside Sports. Dave Campbell's coming up tonight. We'll kind of reflect on a busy week on the uh, Nash, for the National Hockey League and the CFL and look ahead for what might be coming for those two leagues too. Uh, but, you know, I get the sense that in this part of the world, in this part of the hockey fan base, that the 2014 proposal isn't overly popular because, let's face it, it's not great for the Oilers. And I personally, regardless of where the Oilers are at, don't really think that we should be allowing that many teams a shot at the Stanley Cup. I mean, we're pretty deep into the, into the regular season. Montreal wasn't going to make it. Chicago, highly unlikely, wasn't going to make it, but they would both get chances to be the number 12 seeds in this play-in tournament. Bob Nicholson, chairman of the Oilers, spoke to Stoffer earlier today about this 2014 proposal.
2: Yeah, we, we're not sure which one it is. Uh, we, we're hearing that format. Uh uh, it's certainly one that I don't think's right. We, uh, our team, our players, our coaches—you know—we want to beat the teams in our division. Those are the those are the big four-point games. Our rivalry is Calgary and Vancouver. We always uh, looked at it: let's be in the top three in our division You make the playoffs, and right. that's where we're headed. This format's different. We have to play Chicago, so we—I think we went from a ninety-five percent. Uh, chance to being in the playoffs to 50%. Um, but I can tell you one thing, uh, we've made our case. Whatever it is, I know our players are going to come back. We've had a heck of a hot season so far. We're going to win, and that's what our focus is, no matter who we have to play.
1: All right, so there you heard Dickelson saying he's not really a fan of it, and I think he outlined it that... In sports club stats is that site I also I often reference. I mean the Oilers up around ninety five percent to make the playoffs. The Hawks were at something like two and a half. So they and that wouldn't even be the playoffs. That would be a play in round. And that's the kind of tragic thing about this potentially for the Oilers if they came back didn't play well. Chicago played great, whatever, and Chicago uh upended them like the way it's it's the the verbiage used around this right now is that the oilers wouldn't even get credit for a playoff appearance maybe maybe they would modify that because they're going to have to modify a lot of things this season but just some things to consider there this has not been my understanding from the people i talked to is that this has not been a smooth process for the nhl players association i certainly get the sense that they want to play and who wouldn't want a chance to get your name engraved on the Stanley Cup? That's why they all play since they were little kids. But I think there are some serious questions about the format. I do think there are some players who maybe are, are looking at a neighbor or a family member or someone they know who's been sick or who has lost their job or had their business greatly affected by the pandemic and they're there, you know, maybe a little bit of morally here thinking, Oh man, is this even right that I should be playing hockey when all this is going on? So I, I think that's part of the discussion going on. Uh, you know, you, you've probably seen some tweets from Bob McKenzie of TSN earlier today, who is, you know, one of the best hockey reporters of all time saying that was a, it was a pretty spirited discussion with the NHLPA executive board. So, I think whatever the players say here, they're they're going to say they're unified and that they're all on board. But I I think there's been a lot of uh, maneuvering and uh, discussions and maybe sometimes heated discussions about this. I think from an Oilers perspective, uh, they've been you know highly informed by Darnell Nurse, their their player rep. Uh, I certainly get the impression that they've you know received information about the pandemic, about staying healthy, about the trends worldwide. And, you know, could there be a second wave? What does it mean if they have to get back and play? What do they need to be isolated? I, I get the sense the orders are pretty informed, and I'm going to assume that most, if not all, NHL teams and players have, uh, have made sure that they're all pretty informed about that kind of stuff. One little note, because this has popped up from time to time, and that is the uh, uh, the hub city teams, so there would be two teams that would have games hosted in their arena it has been speculated that maybe those teams wouldn't get to play at home that perhaps if edmonton hosted games it would be the eastern conference here and if columbus or carolina hosted games the west would go there i get the sense today from a couple things i was told that that isn't really that much of a concern that I that it's it sounds like they would leave the host teams in the uh, in in the cities. So if Edmonton hosts, Edmonton would get to stay here, the orders would get to stay here, really, their, their only advantage would be using their own dressing room. The, the home team would be designated as the home team and get the last change. There wouldn't be fans in the building, so there wouldn't be anything like that. Um, now, the, the thing to remember there, though, is what if it's two teams from the same conference or even the same division picked as the hosts? Let's say Edmonton and Vegas were picked as the hosts. Well, one of them would have to travel. So there you go uh steve writes in he says not more hockey talk please give me the pickleball badminton and shuffleboard results steve all those are on adler tonight charles adler is going to cover that off uh, this texter says you should get George Larac on the show for what his perspective of guys returned to play as a former player and COVID nineteen victim. Well, George was on uh, George was on Bob's show as he was recovering from COVID nineteen, so we definitely have heard from him here on six thirty, Chat. Another note I want to get out here: Bob Nicholson earlier today on uh, on Stoffer Show Oilers. Now, don't forget the World Juniors slated for Edmonton and Red Deer from January twenty, uh, pardon me, December twenty sixth to January fourth. Now, Nicholson, as you're going to hear in this clip, no decision yet, but he's hoping the tournament can go ahead.
2: I think we're in a real good spot. And I talked to Scott Smith and Tom Rennie of Hockey Canada Weekly. We're not going to make any decision on World Juniors till late in the summer, maybe into September. Um, I don't think we have to. Uh, Everyone agrees to that. Uh, and we hope we'll have fans back in the building that uh, November, December. Uh, we don't want to play the world juniors in Edmonton without fans. Um, and I think everyone's on that same page. So, you know, if we, uh, if we had to, we would postpone it a year, uh, but that's not where we are. We, we hope to be playing here in December. Uh, you know, the, buildings sold out already uh, it's such an exciting time and hopefully we get fans back in for oilers uh by november or december and then also for hockey canada some people say that's not going to happen but uh, on the world juniors uh we've got time and we'll make that decision in september
1: all right so there's bob nicholson a little bit from his conversation with Bob Stoffer earlier today quick time out and then bob will join us All right, Elliot Friedman tweeting out a few minutes ago. More to come, but Pittsburgh NHLPA rep Chris Letang says the Penguins voted yes to the playoff format. The quote is, at the end of the day, nobody gets exactly what they want, but we all want what is best for hockey and to continue to grow the game. Letang adding that safety of everyone remains paramount as we bring in Bob Stoffer from Oilers. Now, well, Bob, I, I think when it comes down to a vote, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all the teams get on board with this because perhaps it's uh, the, the uh, least imperfect of all of them, uh, perhaps, But but I think if you go from individual to individual player... Uh, I think you'd get a ton of any different opinions like you would in probably any group of 700 people.
0: Well, I don't know if you heard the interview today, Reed, uh, with Elaine Waugh, but, you know, you kind of thought it might be a bit 50-50 with the players. Uh, my experience has been that everybody kind of looks, it doesn't matter if we're talking about athletes, or just, you know, everyday guys and gals out there listening to the show. We tend to look at things from our own sort of perspective. And, uh, you know, if you're one of those seven teams that knows you're not playing, maybe you don't see you the return to to play being necessary, um, and conversely, if you're you know Jake Debrusk with the Boston Bruins, you think you can win a Stanley Cup, or Chris Letang with Pittsburgh, you want to play. So I am going to be intrigued to see how this uh, breaks down. Uh, you know, you take a look at the extension of CBA with the NFL, and it was not a ratified at a seventy percent plus rate for the players. It was sort of like fifty five forty five, and. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a, they do it by team in the NHL read, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, you might have a couple teams that just said, you know, nope, this, this doesn't work and for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, and I think there, and I touched on this in the first uh, 15 minutes of the show, and, you know, I've talked to a few people, and look, Bob, we all have people we talk to in a bunch of different sources, so I'm not going to say mine are, are better than anybody else's, but I, I, I think there's a sentiment out there is, you know, it, the, first of all, with the 24 teams, I, I think you have players who have neighbours, family members, wh- whoever, who have lost businesses or lost jobs or have been sick and are thinking like, oh, man. It's, and I'm not saying they don't want to play, but you're a human being and you might be thinking, man, I know a buddy whose mother or father died or, or was in the hospital and, 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 man, how do I feel about going back to play hockey? I know they want to compete. I know, I know they want to get out there, but I think like... A lot of us, we got to remember the, the the players are human, and I think this is weighing on them uh as well. And Patrick Linea said today, on a different note, this could be some pretty choppy hockey when we get back to. We we're like, you yeah. quick training camp, and then maybe you know preseason games that look like preseason games, but are very important. Well, Magolan Conte is one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. He plays for Chelsea.
0: Uh, he won a you know a Premier League championship a few years ago uh, when Leicester was a huge upset winner, and he's he doesn't want to go back to playing, and that's his personal choice. Uh, again, I you know it's not going to be to me it wouldn't be. I mean, we might get 31 teams that agree. Yeah, that's this is the, you know we we got to make the best of every situation. It doesn't necessarily mean that if they done an individual player vote that we would have greater than 60% of the players, but maybe we would. Maybe we would. I'm not sure. i just, you know, people are allowed to have a variance of opinions. I will say this, Reed. If the NHL is going to be consistent in the messaging and there's a great priority placed on on uh, player safety and on placing strategically, uh, you know, hubs and locations that have got low uh, – Uh, Low rates of COVID with high with high testing amounts. Edmonton should be positioned quite well, Uh, but sometimes there's some other political reasons why things happen the way they do. So I'm going to be really interested to see what happens over the course of this weekend. You know, I'm I'm up to 60-40 that we're going to see hockey again this year. Uh, I agree with Patrick Liney. There's going to be some tough. uh, I mean, you and me both watch the Golden Bears, and uh, you know, I had a conversation today with uh, Ian Herbert and Stan Marple. even them getting the bye week, you know, and not playing to start that first round of the playoffs. Sometimes it takes them half a game on the Friday when they get on that second week. And I contrast that with the difference between, I think you and me both think that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that we both think that uh, maybe a 10-team format might work better than a 12-team format at each conference. But that would be a significant disadvantage uh, for everybody else that's not six, you know, not uh, seven through ten and eight and nine playing one another and advancing. So there's lots of different perspectives to have on this. I'm going to be intrigued to see what occurs over the course of the weekend.
1: Yeah, if if it's going to be expanded, and I was talking about this a lot last night, I'd be more comfortable with ten from each conference and giving those bubble teams they could play off 10 versus seven, nine versus eight. But, but look, it's far from a perfect situation in the world. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a perfect playoff format. And hey, unfortunately, the Oilers do kind of get knocked down from a higher seed to a seed a little bit lower in the draw. But if, if you can overcome it, you can overcome it. And, and coming back, Bob, w- like what do the stats and the trends mean that were happening in March? Like, do you still consider the Oilers Nothing. as having the second best PK on on? August first, when there might be a game, probably not. Well, I, br- I brought that very topic up with Glenn
0: Gulson about you know uh, two weeks ago. You know, he has the number one right power play. Uh, you know, I always bet on talent and skill in those situations. Seems to me those guys are the guys quickest to get it back. But sometimes you have a rhythm, and I thought the orders were starting to be in a position uh, to find their game a bit five on five. We just, I mean, it's really interesting here. If they do it based on winning percentage how do they not revert to everybody's 68-game record? Like uh, Edmonton's final three games, uh, game 69, 70, 71, they went 1-1-1. One, one, one. They lost an overtime game to Vegas and uh, and then lost 4-2 to Winnipeg in the final game. If they've got a positive result in either of those two games, they'd actually have a better winning percentage than the Dallas Stars. So this is, I, I mean, we're not quite at the stage yet where we're figuring out exactly how this is going to work. Uh, but... You know, you mentioned the special teams and I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of even looking at, well, how exactly are they going to define what the winning percentage is going to be, uh, you know, to this point in the year? So there's lots of intriguing things to
1: watch. I'm actually fine with them using the points percentage. I don't think they should cut it off at 68 games because all those games were played and I think the stats and the results should count. So I'm actually fine with them. Here's
0: here's how I would counter that read uh you know the letters had a, a game against the boston Bruns courtesy of whitey bulger where the lights went out just kidding and uh the stats in that game count for the players but the result does not count so can you extend like maybe you sh- maybe every team should have a 68 game record but the individual players have totals through 71 games. Maybe that's one way to circumvent it, because in the case of the players that put up points in that game back in 1988, they still got credited for the playoff points, even though we didn't end up getting a uh, result of the game.
1: Yeah, but see, I would counter that by saying, how would you like to be the team that gets bumped down because... Their closest opponent just had a three-game losing streak that now comes off the books, or they beat them head-to-head the final game, and now it doesn't count. You know what I mean? I that's, and, and these are the sort of things, I mean, for all we know, these are the sort of things that still got to be worked out. That's a good point, cause, and there is a lot to worry about and all the logistics of moving players around and keeping them safe and, and stuff like that. Bob, you sounded great all week. Thanks for coming on tonight. We'll talk Clint again Lyon. soon. Quit lying, Reed. Take care. <laughs> Have right. a good night. Buff buff stopper oilers now noon to two every day on six thirty chat. Hey, your feedback is welcome. You can call or text seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll touch on some CFL issues as well in the next half hour with Dave Campbell. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. So, I uh, mentioned earlier, Elliot Friedman has tweeted out that the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have voted in favor of the proposed playoff format. So, the NHL PA reps getting their votes in. I don't know if we're going to have uh, results for you tonight, maybe not even tomorrow. I think the NHL will then kind of come out with an announcement and a plan. It's also a long weekend in the United States, so would they possibly even wait until, uh, until Tuesday? But things are happening, and we are getting a little bit closer. The Canadian Elite Basketball League, which features the Edmonton Stingers, uh, working on one con- contingency of playing a single-site tournament event in Ontario, for their season, just a quick note there. Patrick Ewing, the uh, NBA legend and coach at Georgetown, is in hospital recovering from COVID nineteen. Great player in his time. Before we get to Dave Campbell, my goodness, JP is on the line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. JP, hope your Friday night's off to a great start. It's off
0: and flying, lead. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. I can't believe I uh, interrupt your call with Dave Campbell. I apologize. I'll keep it short and sweet and get down to Brass Park. All I want to say is this. First, it's great to hear your voices all the way. But all the people whining about, oh, the seed, the seed, the seed. Or I don't like to play a format. But well, this format took it in. Who cares? We got the hockey pack. We got Connor out of the ice flying again. And as the Rock, one of the greatest wrestler of all time, the Rock, will say, Chicago,
1: just yes, bring it. JP, nice to hear from you. That is JP at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Also of note, we've been uh, keeping an eye on this story. We talked about it a little more extensively a couple of days ago. The Edmonton Prospects uh, put out a release today saying by 2022, it is our plan to be up and operating in a new, modern, and very exciting venue in Spruce Grove, Alberta. Of course, the lease for Remax Field going to a group called Baseball Edmonton Incorporated, former oiler Randy Gregg, part of that group. Uh, they have said they would uh, welcome the prospects to continue playing, maybe bring a second team to the WCBL. So the prospects, and of course, the uh, the 2020 season is still in doubt. It could still be cancelled. And uh, they, they say also in the news release, we have begun negotiations to operate with an alternate plan for 2021 and then to be in Spruce Grove for 2022. So that's the latest on that. Pat Casty, the managing partner of the prospects, his organization – they, they did a lot of work. Uh, I mean, it came down to a business decision that the city made. It did not go the prospects way. I'm sure, uh, you know, Randy Gregg and his group want to bring a team there. They want to bring some other entertainment, uh, arts and concerts to the ballpark as well. Maybe start some sort of a baseball Academy. Uh, but yeah, I got, I got to wish the prospects the best that, you know, when they started, they didn't have a lot of fans. They've, they've dealt with bad weather some years. They didn't have a very good team some years. Um, but you know they became pretty competitive and have a pretty good fan base now as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Dave Campbell, the producer of this very show and our color analyst for Eskimos football on six thirty. Chet is on, in his garage. I don't know where are you? On the roof of your house? I'm in the. It's raining out, man. I'm not going to be on the roof of my house. I could
3: slip and fall, and that's the last you ever hear of me. I mean, how can I do that to you and to our fine listeners?
1: Exactly. I, I, I life? You, by the
3: way, I, well just before you before you ask me uh uh another question here i'm glad you were the buffer between jp and and and, and myself because i don't think i could just go directly off what jp said into our segment because that's Wow, JP just brings the heat, and I don't know if I could I could keep up to with with him. That man, he he brings it, man.
1: Well, I don't want to tell JP that you have Rob Brown's autograph because that's one of JP's goals in life is to get Rob's <laughs> autograph. But I think you have several. uh you know
3: what? Well, things are just better left unsaid. I'll just say it. Just, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say that.
1: <laughs> let's start. Let's start with the hockey, Dave. Uh yeah. And look, we don't. The the timing is sort of interesting. I mean, we're a lot closer to hearing something than we have been for a while. It still doesn't sound like something is going to come out tonight, even though the voting is is going on or might actually be done. Um, but we're getting there now. When the NHL does announce something, they they're not necessarily going to announce the hub cities because I think they want to wait with that too and see what which of their thirty one seats teams uh, cities might be the healthiest and have the best facilities to host all these types of players, but, but we're slowly getting there and maybe even early July, we have training camp.
3: Yeah, that would be exciting. And uh, I think I'm a lot more optimistic about uh, a season resumption than I was uh, obviously, you know, even, even a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago for sure. Um, it, it's exciting, you know, and, and I just think it's just, it's just nice to kind of start turning the page and talking about a possible season resumption and that we're going to get going and it's going to be something new and exciting and interesting. Now that being said, this is a format that has a lot of uh it's very polarizing. You either love it or you hate it. I don't think it's there's anything in between. It's very interesting how this has come together um especially with the uh with with, with the teams that were out of the playoffs And now they get a chance to go on a bit of a run here. It's interesting when you said Pittsburgh uh, voted yes to this because I did read something earlier in the evening saying that they were not very happy with this. And I think you have a lot of teams that would debate this internally and say, I don't really like this, but at the same time, we got to play for the betterment of our league. So uh, this is also very much a made-for-TV type event, obviously, because there's no fans in the stands to begin with anywhere, maybe at all. So, when TV executives are, are in the back room going, "Hey, how about Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby against Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens?" with a 0.0% chance, according to Club Sports Stats uh, on March 12 when the pause happened. But Carey Price has a 914 career save percentage in the Stanley Cup Playoffs against Sidney Crosby. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. You know, so there's there's a lot of that. Uh, I think that went went along as well. I'm not totally comfortable with it, but at the end of the day, it's something to think about and be hopeful for. And there's a lot of hurdles I think left to uh, to clear, but it's exciting that we're talking about a return to
1: play. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they do the schedule. And you're right, made for TV. It's almost going to be like a day of the Olympic hockey tournament with probably triple headers at least early on, because in each conference. 12 will play 5, 11 will play 6, 10 will play 7, 9 will play 8, and then the top four teams are probably still going to have some sort of a little round robin, so you could have them alternate days. So, you, like, are you going to have a game at noon, 4, and 8? Yeah. Now, And and what about if what if there's a double overtime game? You know, what if that... So, I, I, w- I would think <laughs> that the, the games between the top four seeds in each conference would probably be treated like regular season games. Right. But the other games... I mean, they're calling it a play-in round, but they, they, I don't think they're going to have ties or shootouts or anything like that. So what if that 4 o'clock game goes to triple trip or overtime? Does the other game have to... like It's like you're in minor hockey or the volleyball tournaments I used to play in high school. Well, you know, our game is scheduled for 7, but it really doesn't matter. It's, it happens when all the other matches are done. I don't know. That's going to be another interesting twist, too.
3: Yeah, if you're going to have three games in one day, I mean, you got to find a way to get those three games in in that day, so... Uh, the overtime format I never even thought about, Reed. So that's a great point. Do they, do the NHL and the players say, you know what, maybe for this time only, maybe let's go to a three-on-three format and that's how we settle it. And I know people might turn their nose at it in in a a playoff-type format and in a playoff format, period. But, Reed, these aren't normal times, right? And and there's no real, uh, I think, right or wrong way uh, there's obviously a lot of debate over what they're going to do, and there's going to be a lot of debate over this format. But at the same time, when you're a league that just wants to get your your, your season over and award a Stanley Cup, I think you've got to consider almost every option. So if you do have to go to a wrinkle and overtime to try and finish a game and not have a, a game go into, you know, double, triple overtime until maybe later in the playoffs... Um, you know, maybe that's what you have to do, but uh, that—that's just a lot of debate and, and a lot of consideration that the uh, that the league and the players are going to have to uh, have to talk about. This is very unconventional, and we're in unconventional times, so it, it kind of fits.
1: The CFL schedule says Sunday, May 24th, preseason game, Edmonton at Winnipeg. We obviously know that's not happening. I I mean that kind of because I, as you know, Dave, I haven't been worried about what's not happening. And what, yeah. or what would have been happening? But then it kind of struck me this week, like, oh yeah, this was training camp, and the first preseason game. CFL is not going to be back until September at the earliest. It's still possible the season is going to be canceled. What struck you from Randy Ambrose's town hall earlier this week?
3: Well, I think what struck me the most compared to when we last heard from him, which was over two weeks ago, when he appeared in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee, uh, committee excuse me, asking for the. Uh, or doing his pitch for the $120 or $150 million uh, federal assistance. Uh, He did not have a good showing that day, other than showing his passion and his love and desire for the league. I thought he came out with a lot of optimism, a lot of hope, and with a plan that was pretty clear, as far as I'm concerned. Now, it's not clear when they would start. I I would think Labor Day weekend would be the target date. They could go a bit later, and, and it's been talked about a December breakup could happen as well. Uh, but I just thought that he came out with some guarded optimism. Uh, he didn't promise to moon the stars to people because he said it's possible that we can't play this year. It, it's still possible. But I like the fact that unlike two weeks ago when it was the most likely scenarios we're going to have to cancel the season, and that's all you're left with, I mean, it was a pretty dour day uh, on on that Thursday. I I know myself personally, I was not in a very good mood after that. Forget my wife and my kids. Uh, You know, it just just wasn't a a good feeling. And then uh, now, you, you know, since then, the players have rallied with the league. The league and the players are working probably closer than they ever have before. And I think the sentiment within the league is we have to try and play. You know, we might not be able to play, but we have to try and plan to play, we need to play. And because I think the prospects of not playing is a, a frightening proposition for this league, who I also think have to reinvent themselves of how they are as a, a revenue, uh, or how they generate the revenues. I mean, butts in the seats is always gonna be, I think, a, a primary revenue generator, but they gotta find other ways to do it. And I think this is forcing the league and the players to think outside of the box, finally, and, and figure out other means and other ways to, uh, to help the product and to generate revenue and to make it very attractive and appealing so instead of just saying this is a great league and it means a lot to our country and everyone loves it and you know obviously we know all those things are true or i should say most people love it so i like the fact that they're hunkering down and they're trying to play it doesn't mean they will uh, i'm more optimistic now than i was two weeks ago now is still the most likely scenario, a canceled season. It could very well be, but I think the gap is closing on that. And I think uh, that's what makes me really proud of this league is that they are doing what they can and pulling out all the stops to try and play.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, and again, there's so much that's unknown and we're dealing with, you know, a virus that is is difficult to predict. Mm-hmm. But maybe, I don't know, like if if there are games with fans but they're socially distant, is that even worth it? Because I'm thinking, okay, if you go to Commonwealth Stadium and you got to be six feet away from people, you can't have anybody on the aisle, sitting on the Mm -hmm. aisle, so you have to be three or four seats in. There could probably only be one other person in your row if they're trying to limit people walking past each other to get to their seats. Mm -hmm. And I imagine it would only be every second or third row. So, like, is are you going to make and but but maybe if the CFL has games, maybe then that makes the government and the public more accepting of the financial aid? If they say they tried, they played, let's make sure the office staff gets paid and that. You know the the low end the the low salary players have enough to live until the next season starts i don't like maybe there's maybe yeah. there's a stronger public appetite to help the league if they help themselves by playing eight or ten games and get as many fans as possible into the stadiums
3: well i think it's better than just laying down and saying we're not going to play here please help us please help us off the mat here please bring the truckload of money and pour it on us right now so we can feel better about ourselves at least they're trying to play and they're trying to plan. Four season and yeah, they are trying to plan to have some fans into into the stadium, like social distancing and and I believe the models on average are about five thousand fans per stadium, and that might not be from week one. That might be maybe week four, week five, maybe midway through the season, or maybe a bit earlier than that. And I think what also has to be considered too is is it worth it from a staffing standpoint because you're going to have to have security. You're going to have to have people within the stadium. Is it cost-effective to even do that? But I think the league wants to create a bit of an atmosphere and wants to create some revenue that they can collect, even though it's not going to be great money or great revenue. you know Something's better than nothing. They can also uh, get something from the TV contract with TSN. They can get something from the the sponsorship deals that they have, uh, that each team has. And I think it's just you know, we're in the very early stages. And like you say, the virus is going to tell the story. And every day, this virus is changing and how we deal with it. And, um, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow. We don't know what it's going to look like next week. I mean, in, in Alberta, it's, you know, we've held steady in, uh, since the relaunch. And we're even doing better as far as recoveries go. I believe we're 85% recovered overall in Alberta. But that's not everywhere. I mean, you look at, you look at the west compared to the east and you got three teams in ontario and you got a team in quebec they're not doing very well right now you know ontario is getting more cases and they're getting less testing that's that's alarming to me so they got to find a way to turn that around they got to find a way to turn that around in quebec but you know we're three months away and i think earlier than that we're about what we're, i would say we're probably about maybe six to seven weeks away from a final decision on on whether the league can play, or we start to get wind of it, and then there's the border issue um, as well. And right now, that it's extended for another 30 days, I don't think is a, a really a, a big deal for the CFL because they still got some time. But you know, you got to make sure you can get the American players over the border. You got to make sure they can get work visas. You got to make sure that um, it's healthy to play and they can get quarantined in time. And whatever health measures are going to be next week, next month, in the summer, whatever. I don't know what it's going to look like, but the fact that the league is standing up and saying, oh, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's plan for a season. Let's plan to see if we can bring fans in. Let's find a way, new methods to bring in money. And uh, I think that's what uh, that's what they need to do. And I'm glad they're just not saying, we're not going to play and just please dump a bunch of money on our heads.
1: A couple of things here from the text line, Dave, you can jump in if you want. Uh, this text just says, why would the prospects leave after leave the stadium after staying put. Am I missing something? The prospects still have the lease for this year. The Randy Gregg group takes over in April. Now, the prospects did say 2022 they want to be in Spruce Grove here's what they've said about next year with respect to the 2020 season should cancellation occur. We've begun negotiations to operate with an alternate plan for 2021 so that we can address ticket holders and sponsor interests. So I read that, that he would, they would either figure out a way to be a tenant for the Randy Gregg group next year, or they would play somewhere else for a year and, and then go to Spruce Grove, but there might not be a prospect season uh, this summer. So keep that in mind, but they do still have the lease for this year. And Brett says, uh, for the NHL, the hub city practice facilities could be used to play games as teams get eliminated. Brett, that's a that's a good question, but they wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. So, say Rogers Place, there'd be a triple header of games to start with, but the other teams would be using the practice facility to practice, right? Like they'd have to have they'd have six teams who would need to practice throughout the day. It's so, not TV friendly either. I mean, yeah, and it's want, not as TV, it's Rogers? not as TV friendly. I, I like how Brett's thinking there. Like maybe you could have two games in Rogers' place at once, but no, they would need that ice for for the six teams hypothetically who weren't playing to practice probably from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. Yep, exactly.
3: So, yeah, and you, you want the best facility that's going to look great on television, and Rogers is going to look great on television, and. You know, and yeah, I do understand you want to get games in, but you know, again, that's where the league and the players are going to have to get creative and and unconventional and say, okay, maybe we can't have triple overtime games or double overtime games. We got to find a way to finish games, even if it's a way we don't want to have it have it determined. But what choice are we left with right now? So you want it in the in, in the in the building that's going to make it look really great on television, and that's Rogers Place.
1: All right, quickly here, the uh, Players Association has put out a statement. I will read the whole thing because it won't take long. The executive board of the National Hockey League Players Association has authorized further negotiations with the NHL on a 2014 return-to-play format to determine the winner of the 2020 Stanley Cup. Several details remain to be negotiated, and an agreement on the format would still be subject to the parties reaching agreement on all issues relevant to resuming to play. So basically we like PA, it, but we
3: need to talk yeah. about it, basically. So the PA
1: is saying we're willing to take this step, but we're not diving into the pool quite yet. So there you go. Yeah. Dave, yeah. thanks for checking in, buddy. Okay, take care, Reed. Thanks. Dave Campbell, the producer of this show. We're back to wrap it up in a couple of minutes. Remember, the Ranch Golf and Country Club open for business. 630 Chet wants to send you and a friend to golf this championship caliber course. Head to 630Chet.com to look for contest details. You could win a pair of golf passes to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. So, the executive board of the NHLPA has authorized further negotiations with the league on the 2014 return to play format. Uh, several details remain to be negotiated so they will keep talking, the PA and the league. Thanks to Bob Stoffer and Dave Campbell for checking in tonight. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. I hope you have a great weekend. I will be back on Monday at 7. Thank you so much for tuning in. Travel Night, that's
0: almost time.